Welcome to Tony, a story that is sure to keep you gripped. And if you didn't already know, Tony is my father. The idea for this podcast started when my dad wanted to write his life story. But as we're both pretty dyslexic, we decided to record it instead. The idea is not really to get lots of listeners and followers. It really is just something that we thought might be fun to hear in the future. So this is his story in his words. I do want to warn you though, some of the audio quality is a little bit compromising at times as he lives at home with his dog, Scooby. Across the road from us was a cinema called The Swan. All the other people used to call it the bug house. Underneath there, there was cellars, which was no interest to me at this moment. Now, in 1939, my birthday was the 3rd of September, 1939. That was my birthday. And that day, our government declared war on Germany. So that's a birthday we'll never forget. For the first month or two, my dad was at home. He was, he was getting trained in the army. In the November of the year, he, he went away, and we never seen my dad again for six and a half years. We had letters off him and everything that he'd been into Africa, and he'd gone from Africa. Now, the first air raid that we had, uh, if I can remember the date, was in 1940. Uh, it was just after the Christmas time it was. Now, the, the reason why, where we lived in Edge Lane and Mill Road, there was factories around us, like there was uh, the Meccano factory making uh, things for the war. There's the automatic making things for the war. The factory where my mother worked making things for the war. We were in the center of all of this. Now, my mother always made sure and looked after us. In the first bomb raid, I remember, it was in the February of 1940. The siren went, and we only had to cross the road because the cellars were where we were going. We went in the cellars down below. Worst thing about the cellars was there was always water in it. So we had to wear Wellingtons and that. I remember this night we went, we were in bed. My mother woke us up quick, took us, and we went into the cellars. And I think it must have been about eight o'clock at night. We were in the cellars till six o'clock. No, six o'clock the next morning when it stopped, we come out. So that was okay. It was a, some probably gone in Liverpool and being bombed. Four weeks later, we had the same thing. We had a few nights going in, the, in and out the cellars. But four weeks later, we went in and there was a, a serious air raid on. It was bombs, bombs, bombs. We were glad the next day to get out. But as we come across the road, there was fire engines there and everything. And when we looked, our house had been completely flattened with three others. We'd lost everything that we had. We had nothing. We had the clothes we stood in and that was it. Everything was on fire and done. There were six houses in the row. And we were number, we were number six, I think, and it, it went. We were then, 
taken by the Salvation Army, were taken to the nearest church hall, which was St. Oswald's School, where we went to the Catholic school. We were given three blankets each, and my mother was given three blankets. And the three blankets were one for you to lay on, two to cover you. In the blanket was me and Billy in one, and in the other one was my mum and Pat. Our morning, they had the small toilets, and you can imagine there was like 40 people in that, in that room. We had to have a bucket. We, had to, we got a bucket given to us. My mother had to go and go into the kitchens there, where the rest, where the, the kitchen was, and get hot water and soap. And she had to come with a bucket of water. And I remember this getting washed, trying to stand up in in, in the hall, and to get our clothes on us and stuff like that. Can I ask, like, you know, when you go to the shelters, is there ever not enough room for people. Yeah. The crowd, but they never stopped people coming in. They stood up. Just a quick thing to look back on the, on, the, on the cellar. The cellars were such a tide, but the cellars we were in, in Miller Lane, if you got there quick, you got a seat. Now then, after that, because they were the only cellars around there, because they hadn't built them all then, people would come in and they'd have to stand up there all night but they couldn't sit down. It was full of water up to your ankles. So my mother sat down and then we'd get up and let someone sit there. And, and that went on. We stood most of the night. As a young one, you wouldn't feel the pain. But later on, it, it got, it was a nightmare. Going back to the, the place where we were in the hall, we were there for six weeks. That was an absolute nightmare. The only thing about after being there three weeks, my dad had a friend called Sammy Ryden who had a shop, a small shop. He come to see me mother. He's my dad's best mate. And he couldn't go to the army because he had something wrong with his ears. So he seen the way we were. And he said he was sorry. It's the first chance he got to see us. The next night he came in with a... a, 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 a he came in with a mattress, a, a double mattress, and he said, that's all I can get you. And he brought us some blankets. And what a, what a relief that was. We had a bed, and that was like my mum and Pat and me and Billy. We were all in the same bed. Me and Billy slept at the bottom, too, and my mother and Pat slept at the other. Three weeks later, um, we, got, we were told that we could have a, there's a house down by Crawford's in Ben's Road, off Edge Lane. This was nearer and nearer to these factories that were getting bombed. Anyway, Barrett Byers was Crawford's Biscuits, and this house was right in the street where they were. Now, this was an in-law, another in-law, a, a, a partner, or family was, of me mothers. And... My Uncle Jack and Lily, Uncle Jack and, and Ada said we could stay there. So we went there and stayed there, and it was absolutely terrible. The bobbing going on, you could, oh, you're almost sitting there. Anyway, we were there, and we, we went in the air raid shelters there. They had the air raid shelters there. We got in there. We come out of there one night, and there's the house. Not a window in it, no front door on it. The roof was hanging off. That's another one we lost. So then 
I said to my mother, well, well, my mother said, we're not going anywhere down. And I remember she took us to my nans. Now, with my nans was my auntie Lily, my mother's sister, and her three sons. Now, this is a two-bedroomed house. So Lily was with my nan, and the three lads had to sleep in the same bed. So we went there, and my nan said, well, you're going to stay here. You're not going to them places again. And she made beds up for us downstairs. So, so that was a very uncomfortable way to live. Was it always at night? Well, they used to come. They'd come uh, mostly in the winter because the light, they never, they had come in the daylight, but they stopped that because you could see them easy, you know what I mean? They started yeah. coming in the night. And we're not talking about a plane, we're talking about 200 planes. Why Liverpool? Like, why? Well, because we had the docks. Right. We had the docks. The docks were full. That's where all the Yanks come on the ships into the docks when, that, when the Yanks weren't with us then. Uh, all the food coming to Liverpool. It's a big docks, Liverpool, then, you know. And then the, what was the other one part was uh, in Liverpool, we had the automatic in Edge Lane where we lived, making uh, all, could make all guns and everything. Petswick, make all uniforms. Robinson's where my mother was making all stuff for the war years. Um, Crofts to save the road. Like that. And we were in the middle of the day, we were right round us like that. That's how we got it. And we were, we were two, from town, we could, we could walk two and a half miles, we'd be in the centre of the town where we lived. But in Edge Lane, this was all around you, you know. Yeah. If you ever go out in a car, I'll take you where we were and you'll see where it was. Do you remember, like, the first time you saw something get bombed? Uh, well, yeah, I did. The first time it got bombed, it was... Um, in a small factory in Edge Lane, just down the road. And it was only a factory. It was used to make, um, you know, uh, make shoes and stuff like that. Yeah. I used to make clogs and stuff like that. Got blue bloats and bits. Where the fruit market was, that was a, a, a greyhound track and speed bags and bikes and all that. But it was also an army place during the war where he kept all the army was there, you know. So that got bombed as well. And then he, he just bombed off the, um, the abattoir where all the meat was. Uh, down, that was only just down the road from us. And we went down there, there was a street of houses uh, completely down, completely down from where we lived. Did you know what it was though when it happened? Or? Yeah, yeah, we knew what it was. I knew what it was. Yeah. You couldn't help it, it was everywhere, it was on fire and everything. You gotta understand if you're just, if you're at your age like you are now, you'd it'd be upsetting all that. But when you were a kid, it was like it, it wasn't upsetting that much. Well, you thought it wasn't, but he, he just looked at you. I'm, I'm used to look for them um, shrapnel off the bombs. We used to go collect them, change it at school and everything. Go out and get it. They're not sharp and not dangerous. Yeah, it's like pieces of steel. Yeah. But when you see it, and, 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 and I think it was Edinburgh Road, I think it was called. There was a lot of people killed there, in, the, in, the, in there. Because mm. when the war started in, 19, in 1940, they were out air raid shelters in the streets. In our street, we had an air raid shelter that took every house in with roofs like that. I mean, if a bomb isn't directed, blow it apart, but it, just, it wouldn't blow the top off the way they were made, you know. Yeah. We had an auntie, me, me nan had an auntie Fanny. I know it's a funny name, but that was her name. And her husband in the First World War got killed 
when she was only young and she had a serious breakdown, but she had a nice house around the corner and she became an alcoholic. And she said to my mother, you can come and live with us. Because my mother said, well, to, to me and Anne, we, I couldn't, I couldn't do, 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 do that because I, I worried about the way she drinks. So my aunt Lily said, well, our lads are older. We'll go there. So that was great. They went there and we stayed with my nan. So then we had a bedroom at the back, me and Billy, and Pat and my mum stayed with me nan. And that was a nice place to live. We had no eating, we had a coal fire that heated the house. My mum used to do night work and day work. She'd go to work at eight o'clock in the morning, but before she went to work, we were up. She made us breakfast what she could because food was rationed. She made sure we were clean and all our clothes were clean. And we were taken to school by, I think it was Mrs. Mitchell over the road. She took us to school with her kids and got them. So my mother worked over one day from eight o'clock till five o'clock in the afternoon. So when we got home, we'd be there waiting my mother to make our tea and stuff like that. Now, my Aunt Fanny used to take kids to the cinema of a week. The people used to give her a couple of quid. So she said to me, me mother, why don't we take why don't I take the kids to the, the cinema with them? Bear in mind now, I'm six and a half years, nearly seven years old. So my Aunt Fanny, we said, yeah, so Billy, Pat, and me went to her house. And when we got there, there were six other kids there. So I said, do it all up. And my aunt finally said, oh, did the neighbours' kids have taken them? So we heard about it, uh, slightly about alcohol, but we didn't know what that meant. So she had a big bottle. So when we went out, we stopped at a pub, by a cinema called the Paraffin Oil Shop. Because years ago, it used to be a Paraffin Oil Shop. Because everyone from Rolls Royce knew what the Paraffin Oil Shop was. And she'd go in, and it'd be full to the top with beer. So we go to the cinema and we'd sit there and we used to go to the cinema the night. This was the night we would have let us stay up. Uh, the cinema finished at 10 to a quarter past 10 of our night. This was five o'clock at night. So she, and the cinema opened at six. So we'd go at five. We'd get to the, the Paraffin Oil Shop. We'd all have to stand outside while she went in and she'd have a few pints. So she'd come out and she always whistling she was. So we went to the went to the picture, got in the pictures. She sat there, and every time I looked at her, she was drinking out this big bottle she had. It got to a quarter of the ten, we watching this picture, and I can't think what the picture it was. Um, someone like Blackie, Blackie was a detective, in it, and we loved it. And it got to five to ten, and she said, "Come on, out, we're going." And we all shouted, "It's not finished yet." She said, "Right." Who's the oldest kid here? And this kid went, I'm nine. And I don't know, I think it was Bobby Mitchell. And he said, I'm nine. She said, okay, I'm putting you in charge. She said, I've got to go around the corner to meet someone. So I said, well, that's all right. We'll do go we'll get home on our own. So she runs out to the cinema. The cinema finishes at a quarter past ten, uh, ten past ten. And we come out to the cinema and she's waiting outside. I said, where have you been? Oh, I went to see someone. What she done? She ran back in the pub and filled the bottle up again. So then she got us home. And then she used to say, right, you used to stay that night at her house. So we had gas like then in the house. 
and she got us all to sit down. Now she had three bedrooms, so when we got home, we had plenty of some of the kids given to the mothers, and these three kids stayed, and we'd stay with her because it was then nearly half past ten at night, and my mum had gone on nights. She was on nights, and um, so <clears throat> my aunt Fanny used to say, "Right, get your pajamas on and come downstairs." We go downstairs, and she'd lowered the gaslight, so it was me. And she'd sit in this chair and she had these big pair of bloomers on it and a big white vest. And she'd have the bottle with a drink and she'd tell us ghost stories and she'd frighten the life out of us. Yeah. And she said, I said, what's wrong with the gaslight? I've lowered it. And she'd tell you stories. Oh, my God. But the worst thing was, when you're up in the morning, she'd have you up at 7 o'clock in the kitchen, freezing cold, with a big sink full of water and carbolic soap. And she scrub you from top to bottom. And you stink like you just come out of a hospital, which used to make Yorkshire pudding in a bloody big tray. Cut it and put jam on it and said, take that to school. And I said, God. And she used to say, any messing? And she had a big cane and you've got to get that. Anyway, my mother worked two nights on nights. So we spent two nights, two weeks, nights, in my Auntie Fanny's. And because my mother was on nights and my nan was on nights, so there was no one that so my Auntie Fanny looked after us, right? So <clears throat> she was always short of coal. So under the stairs, <clears throat> there was a floor. So we took the floorboards up, me and Billy. Now, I was eight then. Billy's, Billy was seven. Took them up. And there's not a cellar, but a foot it was a, a, the floor was about six foot, half there, no, about a bit, bit bigger than that. So we got down, me Billy there, and now the coal man when he come when he come in the house them days, they put the coal under the stairs, because he didn't put it outside because people had robbers. So I said to our Billy, you know we've got a good idea to getting coal here, why? So she, he said, well, I said okay, we we'll need, we need to get something to cut wood. So anyway, we go upstairs. My auntie Fanny uh, has got out next door to her. She's always next door to her, to her, to her neighbor. We went looking around. And my uncle Sam, who got killed in the war, he had a toolbox and we found a little saw and a chisel. So we took it, me and Billy went down in the cellar and we crawled right through to three, three houses up. And we cut it, cut the thing, the board. And we lifted it out and the coal poured in, coal poured in. So we, <laughs> so we got the book and we took all the coal back and put it in ours as much as we, we did about four hours. We put it there. Anyway, every, every time we come back and we, we said to our party, is my Auntie Fanny there? No. I said, shout. And she said, what are you doing? I said, we're looking for gold. What do you think we're doing? Anyway, we, we got the coal, see, so... We then fixed the boards back. We got back to ours. We had a load of oil, coal, and we put the board on it, right? And the next day, my aunt Fanny used to light the fire at Sukhal Day. She said to me, I don't know if something's wrong with me, she said, but I was down on a little bit of coal and it's there now. I said, well, did you have too much to drink? She said, don't you be bloody hard face you have had too much to drink. No, I haven't. I said to Billy, she's been pissed there. So, <laughs> I'll just watch that. You're fine, don't worry.
Mrs. Day was three doors away. My aunt Fanny was there and she said, Fanny, my aunt Fanny told she said, Fanny, there's something going wrong in these houses. She said, why? She said, I'm sure there's, there's devils or something. She said, why? She said, I went to like the fire for Eric coming home for a sick. We haven't had a, never had a pocket to go. So she said, you must have used it. And my aunt Fanny said, I told her, have you been drinking? And she said, I don't drink. She said, well, you must have used it. She said, when he comes in, Eric, I'm going to tell him, he's taking him to work in a frigging bag and giving it to people. That's the only way. Well, it was made between her and her husband. He said, you mean to tell me I'm going to take a bag of frigging coal out of the cellar to give to someone? So anyway, I died down. And we, every time I'm finally coming, she said, Christ, he said, um, I should have given her some coal, shouldn't I? I said, you should have done. She said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give her two bags. So I said to her, Billy, that's good, isn't it? Our Lord, our Lord is good to us. We give her two bags back. We give her two bags back. I'm running my hand for said to me, oh, don't forget, I want it back when the coal man comes. Now, the coal man was called Sammy, Sammy, Sammy Davis, and he'd go around with his horse and cars, and he'd stop at the house, take the coal and go. And in our street, he'd come, and he'd be an hour, run there. So we would have said, what time, when we come away, we would have said, what time did Sammy come? I said, oh, you never got here till just after we come from school. Well, said, oh, you finished two o'clock today. I mean, Nanny went, he was up there with the other one on the corner, having a cup. I said, what were you doing, Mum? Oh, he's having a cup of tea. I said, he was there about two and a half hours. He was going to bed with it. He was going to bed with it. I said, I said, what are you doing, two and two and a half hours? And I said, I believe said, what about the horse? So I believe went out with a bucket of water, give the horse a drink and that. Oh, I and on the cart he had a bit, he had some straw and stuff like that. And go, Billy puts it in his bag he had, give it to the horse, he went in. So when Sammy Davis, when Davis come to our house, he said, um, well, I've got the coal here, I'll put it in the back here. He said, Hey, did you two any do anything with the horse? What are you talking about? I believe went, Yeah, I fed it, you left it there for two and a half hours. How can you go in the house for two and a half hours just to leave coal? Anyway, that died away. The next thing was, in our streets we had gas meters, right? And you put a shield in to get the gas. So every month, the gas man would come around. And if you, if you used, say, say it was like two pounds worth of gas that he had on his list, it was more than that, he'd give you the discount back. So most houses got money back off them, right? So Peter, Mac, lived in the next street to us, and he came to me this morning, he said, we're staying off school. I said, why is that? I was eight then, why is that? He said, well, the gas man's been. I said, I know he comes today. He said, he's left his keys. I said, well, he said, he's left his keys. He said, I've got them. He said, he's been back all over. I said, I don't know where they are. Anyway, I said, well, what's he doing? What? But he said, well, we're going around the house to see what back doors are open and we'll empty the meters. Oh, I said, you're joking, aren't you? Now, with them days, when you're at the backyard, nobody ever locked the doors. So we went right down the street. We emptied them, took it out, left the shilling in, put a shilling back in, so they had to get, just nice. We went down the other one, got it. And we had a bag of money, and it was only about three quid. But as soon as the fish and chip shop opened, me, Peter Mac and the gang, four of us, six of us went and got fish and chips, peas, bottles of pop and everything. Anyway, we had... 
25 shilling left. So it was all round the street. The gas man, what's he done with the money? And the gas man come, he said, I never trust it. He said, I lost my keys. He said, every meat is empty. So we all went round the street and my mother said, have you two had anything to do with that, that gas meter? I said, no. She said, I'll tell you, I'll find out, you know. I said, no. So anyway, two nights went away and she said, oh, what we done, me and our Billy, we had a tin, put the money in it, and we went to the, across the road where we had, one of my aunties lived, and there's a bowling green there. We dug a hole in the bowling green and buried it, 25 shillings. Oh, she asked me, and I said, well, it wasn't me. She said, who was it? I said, it was Billy. <laughs> Billy said, you liar. It's not me. Billy said, I had nothing to do with it. I said, did you get fish and chips and all that? So you had something to do with it. You must have said, I remember now. You never had any tea. A lot of you did yet. Why? So she said, come on, what did you do with the money? I said, well, you know, we, yeah, we did do it. She said, well, where's the rest of it? I said, it's in the bowling green and the can. In the bowling green and the can. So she said, take me. He went the bowling green, it was bloody pitch black, and we're looking all over the place with a little search. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, we found him. So she got the tin with the money, and then she took her home to me, and she said, Here's the money. You had a lot of money. How much money did you spend this last? Because they've had, there's empty pop bottles under the beds and chip and fish papers under the beds that you throw in there. So. So my aunt said, well, what are you going to do, Francis? You know, to tell them your sons have robbed the houses or you keep the money yourself. And my mother said, well, what would you do, Mum? She said, I'll tell you what. She said, we'll go to the pub and have a few points. Protecting <laughs> <laughs> her sons. Oh, that was a cracker, that was. <laughs> and then we were there. Um... You, you kind of had to make your own. Oh. You kind of had to make your own fun, didn't you? It sounds like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wasn't. Well, where the hospital was, by us, it used to have um, all these blocks of wood. You know, you've seen it with wood with tar on them. Yeah. Well, we used to do the hospital, they took these out and they stack them behind the wall. And we'd get over and take loads of a bit of fire, you know. But we we, we did something there, which was a true, true story. If our pat was alive and Billy would tell you. Where, where Pisa Mac lived, at the back of his house was, was an entry and a big wall, and that was Rathbone Wall, the wall for Rathbone Hospital. So we're getting over to get these tar blocks right. We had a little ladder, get up here, and we, a rope, pull the ladder up with us on the other side because they couldn't climb it, and go and get it. And it was this uh, house, the windows were open, and I said, wonder what's in there? We, we got in, it didn't we? But when we got in the window, it was... When you dropped down, you couldn't get back up. It was too high, the window. Anyway, we're standing there. It was in the dark. So Peter come, and our Billy, the three of us, were in. So Peter's looking round. And he, here's the light, light. He puts the light on. There's two bodies in the morgue on the cliff thing. And if I was never to see you alive again, I'll tell you, and I wouldn't swear that, there was two bodies with white sheets on them. And I believe it. Watch them. I said, have a look. And believe it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, he can't answer the Then he said, they're joking, are you? And he's banging on the door, Billy. No one will come. Because it's right down the bottom of the hospital it was. And we're banging on the door. Jesus Christ. We're all sitting by the door together. In case one of them got up. <laughs> and I said to uh, Peter Mac said, tell you what, 
You bend down, I'll get up over the window, I'll get it open, get you out. I said, no, no. I said, no, you just go home. <laughs> I'll miss you out. I'll, I'll go home first. I said, no, we're staying together. Six o'clock in the morning. I said, there's got to be murder when my mother comes over. She was on nights as well. She's got to be freaking murder. Anyway, six o'clock, the door opened. Ink walked the porter. Did you have a good night's sleep, lads? I said, did you know we were here? He said, I could hear you screaming when you first got here. I knew you were there. I walked the grounds every night. He said, I'm learning you a lesson. <laughs> I said, well, what are you going to do? Call the police? He said, no. He said, you've had enough problem. He said, come on, I'll take you to the backyard gate. I'll get home. I went home and my mother went, where were you last night? She said, some people, she said, pieces, the piece of my sister said, he went over to the hospital. They're messing around at that hospital. So my mother said, I was out of, she said, I come on, I was out of me in the head, knowing where you were. And when I told her, she said, right, I'm going to batter the three of you. <laughs> she said, she said, and when I finish with you, they put you on the two slabs that there's left in there, nobody on them. Anyway, that went, that, that, that went then. And then it came to 1941, 42. Yeah, I was eight. And this bombing started. Jeez, well, it's going on all the time, but it really come. It was blowing places out the way. And out where we were, we, we were three streets. Yeah, in, in this front, this road, Rappone Road, the main road, there was a factory there that made tripe. You know tripers? Yeah. Like yeah. tripe. And they were very rich people, and they had the factory. So living there in the summer stunk terrible. But we got used to that. And our houses were the back of it. And just down the road, I would say, from here to the top of that road, there was a factory blown apart. That's how near the way it was. And uh, we we then... Um, just get me breath. Okay, take your time. Yeah, there was, there was the factory near us then. And we, and we, and we got out the next, next morning, we went, we went to school, come over to school, we go around, we're picking up pieces, shrapnels and stuff like that, you know. And then the teacher was called Mrs. Stanton, and her dad was Mrs. Stanton who owned a pub on the corner of our road, who my mother worked there when she was 17, you know. And he used to, used to get all kinds of food that he got on the side, you know, and that given beer. And he used to give it, he looked after his good. So then we were getting bombed and everything. And then we were started in school, we were getting cases of apples sent from Canada for us and oranges. You couldn't get bananas or anything like that at all. What was what, what was your, like, what would you eat on a typical day? Well, on a typical day, you could have porridge. You get that. You couldn't get cornflakes. You get porridge, and you get bread, and you get jam, and you have potatoes. Now, with potatoes, then they used to make cakes out of them, all kinds of things out of them. So, and Peter Mac, uh, his mother went. That we went to Peter Max and. Um, he used to have um, his mother in a little shop on the corner. She had, in them days, you, you never paid then. You paid at the end of the week. You know, you got you got on, on the, because you always got paid once a week and you get paid them. Yeah. So he just said, I'll tell you. So he goes in the shop and he orders all kinds of sweets and what we could get, shoulder coupons and, oh, God, we got caught on that as well. 
getting stuff and his mother was called Mabby Lab now to me for a fortnight with you lot. Uh, what was what was the thing your your mother used to make with well, potatoes and bread? Like what can, oh, what can make, you make with that? My mother used to well you could get flour and you could get bread. And and she used to make bread. And uh, she'd get potatoes and she'd do all kinds with them. She she'd uh, you used to get a little piece of meat a week. She'd save the juices on it and roast them and stuff like that. And uh, used to get a few things on us quiet. Then me and Billy, um, well, that's the last part of the, 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 that war. We've we seen so many people uh, destroyed, you know, houses destroyed and ambulances ringing all night long and fucking planes and bombs. Then towards 1943, it started dying down then because the Germans had got to take over Russia. So there was a the odd bombing with us, but it wasn't like it was. London was flattened, Manchester, all around there was bad. I've got and everywhere we go, oh, sorry. I've got I've got these photos here, which is Walton Prison, Walton Vale, and then you, you mentioned this, didn't you, before the Queen yeah. Victoria Monument. But see, everywhere you went, there was houses, bombs. Everywhere you went, streets full of rubbish all on the sides, you know. And then when the winter come, it was absolute murder. You'd done anything to get coal or wood or anything. I mean, we went many a time of a night out in the house with no ease. The only eat we got was a, a gas cooker. We used to open that up and we'd sit around a gas cooker. And then my mother... Got four shells, no shells out of ovens. Yeah. And she'd warm them red hot and then she'd wrap them in the towel and put them in the bed for us. And that used to warm it, warm the bed for your feet and that, you know. The houses were, Jesus, you should have seen the houses. I got a photograph somewhere of the house inside of it. It was terrible. It's in that book on Michelle done. It sounds like um, like a time of surviving. Oh, oh Christ. Not, not living, surviving. <clears throat> It has to be clever to survive. I'm fucking telling you. If we ever got into a shop and we were going, if we went to a shop and we had a chance to next something, we'd take it. Yeah. All right. But my mother done everything she could. And my nan was the, was the uh, she run the, the, the canteen for the factory, Robinson's factory. They used to make gas fires, then they were making that. So over dinner time, they had over a thousand people working there, including my mother. And they had this canteen and they, they got all got dinners and that. So when they finished at half one, we'd go and get our dinner. But that's what you'd have to do. You'd have to survive the best way you can. And you'd have the ration book. And you, for a ration, you'd get one egg. For that family of four, like three kids, you'd get one egg. You'd get three slices of bacon. You'd get two ounces of butter, sugar. And that was enough. You need more than that in a day. That had to last you for a week. But um, we used to go to, um, what was that farm called? Oh, Jackson's Farm. That reminds me of that name, them Jackson's Farm, where they had ends, ends and everything. But we used to go there. When we all, we all, more of this, we done a lot of this when my mother was on nights, you know. Here and my nama on nights and my aunt Fanny, and she would be drunk as a freaking lord and we'd go out. She'd be asleep on the freaking couch. And I was, come couch you. So huh. we used to go out, four of us. So we go to Jackson's farm in Chilwell. 
And that's about three, three miles walk now. We went, he had a big, massive range of eggs and saying, oh, my God. Have you ever tried, got an, an energy when they go, the yeah. noise out of them, Jesus Christ. You said, you said, also call me in pizza. You're saying, Billy, ah, Billy, you'll have to do it. It's your lights in there and out lights. And what are you two going to do? We'll, we'll stop the farm and we'll attack him if he comes. It's anybody. And we go in. And Billy had come out and found it. The ends were chuckling and chuckling. I said, what do you do with the ends? He said, I'm trying to get to We've got to do them. But they don't want to do that. And we got four eggs. Anyway, looking up at the house. Light, lights go on. I said, there he comes. So Peter went, well, I'm going in. And he goes in. And there's the, the end, and he's got a, the end's got a box to sit in. He pushes the end out the way and brings the freaking box, do 12 eggs in it. Come on. Well, we ran. Jesus, he come after us, we run across the freaking field, we come back, we've fallen in mud and everything. But we had about 14 eggs. <laughs> and we said, now, come on. And we put them in the cupboard, and Billy went, don't put them there. When she opens the cupboard where the food is, she know what you've been doing. So we put two in the cupboard under the stairs. Two in the cupboards upstairs, two in there. To... Anyway, Billy said, well, how are we going to tell you? Well, we're going to tell me mother. I said, I'll tell you what. I got the two eggs. I went to the city. I said, I want them in school. What do you mean you want them in school? <laughs> I said, well, that teacher, you know, that mad one. She's having a, 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 a thing, answering questions. If you answer the question, you get an egg. Is that is that a normal thing to no, win? No, it was a freaking hell. <laughs> <laughs> my mother didn't know and I'd get two eggs and then I'd believe go and get two and the bloody stupid things he never got questioned he would have said what answer questions about oh about Lord Nelson what do you know about Lord Nelson <laughs> Mr Wellington who's Mr Wellington what about um, Mr Dickens Charlie Dickens his name's not Charlie Dickens <laughs> and then Billy come and she said I don't know how you do this you two you know how do you, where to get them from and my mother always got the truth out of us, you know. She said, you know, you two, your family's dead. You could be dead when you got back. I said, she was still drunk when we got back in her knickers and the fucking white vest. But she was a good person. Yeah. But she was ruthless with you. Did you enjoy kind of going on, like, scavenger hunts oh, with well, Peter and Billy? Well, that was our job, that, wasn't it? Yeah. We, 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 used to, we used to love it when my mother went on nights. Yeah. And my auntie Fanny would go out. Because even when we went to bed, she'd be in bed snoring her head off and we'd get our clothes, go downstairs. The key was next to the front door, open the door and go out and lock the door. Put pillars in the bed and so we were sleeping in the frigging thing. And we used to do it a few nights a week. We'd do all kinds. Go to people's gardens, get the flowers. The ones, all the gardens were, uh, what do you call it? Like little farms. No, they never grew flowers, they grew... Potatoes and carrots and onions, and when they were growing the stomach, oh, we should take them back, really, overnight. Carrots, potatoes, take them back to our house, yeah. My mother said, God help you lot when you die. You go to hell, where all the robbers go. <laughs> <laughs> why, um, like with your mum, like, why, why didn't you evacuate? What? Why didn't right. you evacuate? When we were in school, when we were five, we got a letter off the teacher. And this is the beginning of, this is February 1940. I'd only been five months 
I was nearly six years. We got a letter, and in the letter it said, uh, Mrs. Watkinson, uh, we'd like you to get a suitcase. What, what kids, what clothes you got, kids, sleeping clothes, and some clothes for the days for them, and some washing stuff and whatever, toothpaste and that. So, my mother said, what's this for? I said, well, it's for kids who are evacuating. She said, where, where did he go on to? I said, I don't know. So, my mother took a day off work and she went to see the teacher, the headmaster. She said, right, I've got this letter. Oh, he said, yes, Mrs. Watkinson, it's next Monday. I don't know what day this was. She said, it's next Monday. Um, the coaches are coming to take him to the station. And you've got to have the least little stuff, clothes, you can't have loads. And she said, where about are they going? Well, some are going to North Wales, some are going to South Wales, some are going to Cumbria. So she said, so what you're saying to me, this is what my mother said, my mother told me this years after. You're telling me that my three kids, you don't know where they're going. So when it comes Monday, they could be in the Lake District, in North Wales, South Wales, we wouldn't know. She said, well, does that really matter? Because you'd only be there, you only can you can only see them once a month, wherever they are. And if you do anything wrong, it'll be two months before you see them. So, and then, in other words, so if you cause some trouble there, they wouldn't allow your mother to see, you know. Anyway, my mother said, um, he said, well, so when you get the phone back, you can't, she said, uh, yeah, give us the form here. He said, she said, we got a pen? You know, you put anything. Then he, he said, um, why you don't have to do it here? He said, I, I do. I've only got one way to do it. No way are my kids going anywhere with you. If anything happens to us, we go together. Four of us. Okay. He said, don't you think that's selfish? He would have said, that's not selfish. My kids are not going to go to someone's house. We're not going to be, we don't even know to get looked after. And years after they come out, kids were getting abused and everything, you know, they're battered and made to work and all that. Not all of them. And my mother used to say to me, see that? I had that feeling about it. And the headmaster said, well, I think you're not a good person. She said, if you say that to me again, you won't be a good person either. You won't look like one. So he said, um, well, I'll have to tell the, um, the council. She said, I don't care who you tell her. They're my children, and you are not taking them anywhere at all. I don't care if you said you can stay in Buckingham Brigham Palace. You're staying with me, and you wouldn't let us go. But she said, he said, well, you're not protecting them. She said, I will protect them, Ed, and she said, okay, don't you worry about that. And she did. And that's what she liked with us. Mate, with you thinking of that, and your mum sort of telling you that years later, is there anything else that came out of, that experience of living and yes. wartime that... She said to us, um, when I think about what you've done as young kids, it showed to me that um, you had love for your family, love for your friends, even though you took it, it wasn't yours. You're, you were doing what anyone would do. The year is now 1944. Where we lived in Old Swan 
it was off Rathbone Road. Off Rathbone Road was a road called the Bordocks Road. And off that there was four streets of houses. We had two streets and the other street going quite after ours. was Augusta Street, we lived in, number nine, and Alexander Street, where all our Billy's mates lived. Me and Billy, in the early part of 1943, the Americans came to Old Swan. And it was a, a, they took a factory over that made overalls and stuff like that. And these were young Americans, and they were like tailors. And it was in the pet's work, it was called, in Edge Lane. Now, that was only 10 minutes' walk from our house there. Across the factory where they, where they worked, there was Edge Lane Park. Not a big park, but a park that was taken over by the army. They used to have the barrage balloons flying in the skies, uh, just bring planes down there. So the, all the, the women's army was there. They had all portable houses there, and that's where they lived. Anyway, a lot of kids out of our school of a night used to go down to the American base uh, factory and stand outside. When the Americans come out, they'd all be asking them, any gum, chum, any this, chum, and any that. What's chum? Chum. That's how they used to No, American, uh, have you got any gum chewing them? Oh. Got any gum chum? Okay. <laughs> so the Americans used to laugh this. They were only young lads, and I think they were from 19 years to 24. And they were very nice, and they were all right to us because they came out with bags and used to give us oranges. I used to say, we've got any cigarettes for me, mum? She loves cigarettes. She loves yours, Americans. She, only, she doesn't like English ones. <laughs> so they used to give me American cigarettes, and then they give us something else and something else. Anyway, it got that way that they, uh, they said, right, and they used to say, we only want you to come two nights a week because we've got to go and get our dinner and all that. And so, anyway, me and Billy went. And one night we were there, two of these young yank, Yanks come to us Americans and they said, where do you live? And we said, just across the road up there. He said, is there any nice girls there? I said, I said, well, there is a few girls there. How old are you? I said, I don't know. I'll ask him for you if you want. Now, the girls were about 17 and 18 and they were always getting done up and going dancing in, in, the, in the village or in the, in the church or So there was four of these Americans come to us and said, is there any way we can come up there? And I said, well, I can't stop you. Of course, you've got to go freedom when you got off. So he said, yeah, we said, but we've been... This. I said, I'll tell you what, come up. I live in number nine. Come there. So these two Americans come first, nice lads, lovely, doctor the door. And my nan was in, and my nan went and she said, yes, what can I do for you? He said, well, we're from America. She said, Jesus Christ, you've come a long way, haven't you? And she said, well, she, he said, is, is, you got a fella there called Tony. Is he a friend of yours? Yeah. So we would have an RT in the back of him walk. In come these two Americans. Like, so my mum was there and she said, how oh, are you okay? Are you, are you living all right? My mum was talking to him anyway. And she said, have you had anything to eat? Because I said, we had never had much food then. And he said, eh, well, we've had our tea, but we brought you some stuff. Around, we got tins of arms, spam off them, and one of them called Alex uh, said, what these do you? And he gave us a box of eggs with 12 eggs. And my mother said, she said, you know, they're like diamonds. We get one egg a week for four of us. No, for us three, for five of us. And she said, my mum said, and we have 
one of them will have one and he'll wait five weeks for another one. And he said, well, there's yours. And, and, it, and, I, and my mother said, well, you're awful kind. You know, we would have just met you. She said, what can we do for you? He said, well, we want to know where we could go around here to, to have a drink or have a bit of pleasure and that. He said, we're fed up sitting in those bloody things they got on the park. So my mother said, well, I don't know what it means. So I said, I said, they're looking for young girls. My mother went, oh, God, I thought so. You're young, so like that, aren't you? So my mother said, look, I work up the road in Robinson's factory and it's all young girls there, all of them. So he said, well, what do we do? My mother said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do for you if you want. I'll tell these young girls for next Friday, this is, now for next Friday, I'll tell these young girls, as long as they're over 18, there's a couple of Americans come and stay into our house. So he said, that, that'll be great. He said, well, what we want to do, go for the drink? I said, well, up the top of Alexander Street, which runs in parallel with us, there's the Rose Pub. Come Friday night, knock at the door. We're sitting there, and there's seven Americans. I think it was six or seven Americans was outside the door. See, he needs to be thrown out. Anyway, I was just going through. Yeah. There were seven Americans, and my mother said, Come in, we're not having a party here, but God's sake, she said. So he said, he said, well, we asked our mates and said, can we come with you? And I said, yeah, so. He said, where's this Rose pub? So when they were there, they gave me mother all kinds of tins of stuff and everything, and I couldn't believe it. And my mum said to these lads, listen, lads, because... We we come here. We, you don't have to give us anything at all. We don't want you. We don't want you to come and give us stuff all the time. We appreciate it, but it, it, it we don't want to think that we wouldn't have you if you didn't give us anything. He said, as far as I'm concerned, you've got mothers yourself or your wives or whatever you've got, and they're all misses. So if I can look after you, I will. Now, anyway, she said to me, me, Tony, go and take him to the Rose Pub. And I said, the Rose Pub. She said, yeah, and don't nick any bottles out the back. So this young said, what does he mean about that? My mother said, listen, see him and his brother. They get big, collect beer bottles and they get three pence. But what they do, they go to the Rose Pub, climb over the door at the back, where all the empties are in cases, open the door and take two cases out. And the American said, what for? He said, well, what do you do? Every night you take three bottles back and get the money. <laughs> I said, you shouldn't have said that, mother. So, we, so this, this American said, you do well in America, you, with the gangsters there. And anyway, I took him to the pub. And I said, yeah, I'll show you the way. And I went to him, and there must have been about 20 bloody years there. So I said, look, I went to him. And Mary Foster was the, um, the landlady. I mean, you knew me and then. And I said, Mary, and some Americans, and she said, oh, thanks very much, she said. I'll give you and your Billy a couple of quid for bringing customers in. So when they went in, all the girls went, look at this, they're all clapping. And the Yanks went in. So we got to a thing that every Thursday or Saturday night they come and then they go from there and they go back to their place where you have dances. <laughs> and um, the end of the story was the first two Yanks that we seen, or three of them, um, we got... Christmas card sent to us off the mothers. My mother did anyway. And when they left, they kept in touch with our, our family. And the true story was, these two Americans came, came 
when I was what? Jesus, I was 22. My mother had me up and she said, give a guess who's here. I said, no. She said, do you remember the two Americans you brought? I said, yeah, why? He said, they're here. I said, go away. So I went, my mother was living in um, Whiston then. So I went to Whiston and, and, see, and there they were. And they come over to see my mother, see me. And they, and that's, this was like, we hadn't seen them for 10 years. Anyway, just, they, they, when they come, and one of them married our Pat's best mate, and the other one went back. Anyway, that was the end of the American story. But they give us a lot of pleasure because we had good food, they were good friends. I mean, me and my nan used to say, Look, lads, we've all got kids. We don't want we don't want you to bring stuff to you. You're welcome here. We can feed you and look after you. That's it. And he said, you're the kindest people in Liverpool. I used to get all kinds of... I used to go to school in a Yankee bloody shirt. Nobody were in the army. And I'm Billy. I'm Billy's like a bloody big thing. I don't like a dress. <laughs> <laughs> and he, um, he got us... Um, he got us that. He got us... Uh, Sure, they got us shoes. They used to send back to America and bring shoes over and, 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 and whatever they got. We got shoes, got underwear off them. Jesus Christ, we got everything off them. They were all in the rows every Friday and Saturday night and they'd go there to a dance somewhere. The girls were having a ball with them. <coughs> I think someone got pregnant as well, ever moved to thinking. Anyway. That was that part of it of, 19, of 1943 and 44. 1944, me and Billy got a paper round. Where we lived, it was four streets with twenty with 50 houses in each street. Me and Billy got a paper job, and the paper job was we had to be up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we used to have to deliver 50 papers in the morning. And we don't forget, we had to finish by half seven or a quarter away because my mother was... Was, was making our breakfast for us at school. And we earned. I took one street with 50 houses and Billy took another. And then we done it every morning in the winter and every day. And I was 10 nearly. Billy was nearly nine. And we done it. And it was a shop that was right at the end of one of our streets. Anyway, it was coming up to Christmas, it was. So uh, my mother said, I don't want you doing that job. I said, well, you know, we're, anyway... Me and Billy saved 10 shillings. That's all we saved. Because we weren't getting into much of that. Anyway, a week before Christmas, my mum said, we're going into Liverpool and we're going to go to Blackers, where I only remember going there when I was five. She said, but Liverpool's being bombed seriously, but I've heard that Woolworths is all right. So my mum said, we're going to Woolworths. So my nan, my mum... Me, Billy and Pat. We went down the bottom of our, our street and there was the, the tra trams. We had tram cars. Got on the trams and it went right down and stopped right outside the church street, outside the Woolworths. And all Woolworths had was one of the big windows had gone in. So when we went in Woolworths, the mum said, well, we're going to have a dinner here for Christmas and then we're going to buy a few presents for you. So, so, so me and our Billy had this 10 shilling or something, so we would buy some presents for me mum. So we went and had this dinner. I don't even remember what the dinner was, but it was very nice. And we had Christmas pudding and stuff like that. And then my nan and my mum took us downstairs. And I said, um, we'll meet you at the door. So me and Billy, we bought my mum a bottle of perfume called Midnight in Paris. 
He was telling me about that, and then we bought me nan some talcum powder. We bought a little thing for our uh, pass, and our pap bought them presents. So when we when we coming out, my mother said, uh, "Let's walk across the road and go down there and see what Blacklist is like." You wouldn't remember Blacklist, would you? Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, well, we were. Yeah, yeah. Well, Blacklist had been a bomb, and that they closed, so we came back. My mum said, "Let's walk up." Um, Oh, what's the street called? Towards Williamson. No, no, it's that goes up to the Victoria. Oh, Lord Street. So we we went back and my mum said, we walk up Lord Street and we see the Victoria statue, you know, we say a prayer. Mm-hmm. So as we walked up, I couldn't believe that the state of oh, it was unbelievable. You're looking at it there, look, parts of it. There were houses there, look. Look at the kids getting on the train. I remember that. We never, my mother stopped that. And we went up there. We looked at it there. And my mother and my nan. My nan was crying. She said, I can't believe this. Because we hadn't seen it. Only that we did on pictures or newspapers. So we looked around there. And everywhere around there was flattened. Streets, man, tons of stone and bricks and windows and everything. Done. All they done is clear the roads. So we came down from there <clears throat> and we went home and I wasn't feeling so good then. And this is, I don't know what it was. I had a bad cold and I, I, I couldn't you lose your voice. You don't know. When I was getting over it, I couldn't talk. I could, I could talk, but it was like blurry. Then it went worse. So my mother took me to Alderay Hospital and they said, um, there's something wrong with his, his, his voice box or whatever that. So they asked me where I'd been. And my mum said, well, before Christmas, we'd been into town. And um, that, she said, well, wouldn't cut you in the air. Anyway, they sent me this doctor. No, he wasn't a doctor. He was something else. I don't know if he was a, um, what did he call it? A consultant. He was a consultant or something, but he, yeah. he dealt with people's minds and that. So he was asking me, he said, you're not doing this but but like to stay off school or whatever. I said, no, no. So he said, right, I want to give you the paper and pen. Write down what I'm telling you. And he was telling me, saying, no, write it down. And then he was saying to me, say it. I, I can't. So he said to me, tell me a month what you're doing. So he was asking me in the month of 1944, in the beginning or the end of November. And I told where we'd gone and we went down, Woolworths, and we, we, we'd walk past all the, the derelicts, the, everything straw. And he said, well, I don't know if this is right, he said, but I think you have, you, you've seen that and it's, and it's frightened you and it's caused you to go like this. And I... And I couldn't tell him why I was, I would like to say, that would frighten me, but he said, this is what it's done to you. He said, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to come twice a month to Alderay, and we'll have a speech therapist there. And I had a speech therapist. They couldn't get me to speak. And then he said, look, my mother said, look, he, he's, he, we just can't come here two or three times a week. So he said, look, we'll send you a voice therapist to your house three times a week when he's come home from school. 
and they worked on me and worked on me and I still could not do it. And at first, they said to me, are you sure you're not doing this to stay away from school? I said, no. I just, no. Anyway, I started to get some slaughtered words, words and it took me 1946, seven to speak starting with but I had a terrible stutter and that stutter it cost me the times I fought and fought with kids and this because you're all skitting at you you know yeah and what he didn't realize when I was in St Oswald school we had a priest called Father O'Reilly and he used to say to the kids would you like to join my boxing club and we would say, he said, look, you know these schools, they're rough. And he said, <clears throat> and when you're like, you're not a big lad, they, make a, they bully you, you know. He said, but I'm going to learn you to box. So this is me. This is uh, <clears throat> when I had, I had my voice back, uh, but I was stuttering, you know. And he said to me, do you want to learn? I said, yeah, I do. I said, I get, he said, when he heard me, he said, you're getting skittered at you, so... Three nights a week, we went to the, the boys' club in St. Oswald and learned to box. So that was like the rest of my school. The rest of my school years was, was, was a boxing fight. <laughs> I had that many fights to come home. I'd, I'd batter someone, they battered me, and my mother said, Jesus Christ, Tony, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm, if they want to skit at me, they've got to pay for it. Yeah, I know. And then uh, I had a therapist again, and they said, listen, you're a boy who speaks out when you can, and 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 she said, um, you have a bit of character about you. She said, why don't you make it into a joke or something? I said, I don't know. He said, make them laugh. He said, just what he said, what you do with people who skit you, join them and, and and say, you know, wouldn't you like to be like this and, and get everybody kissing you and loving you? Anyway, it took me most of my life to get rid of the stutter. The stutter got rid of, I don't know when it got rid of, I thought it was in Spain or somewhere, and it just went. I think it was in Spain. I, mem I, I remember it when I was a lot younger, but maybe I, in Spain. And it just, Well, I know when I lived here, I was stuttering. When yeah. I first came to live here, I was stuttering. Because I used to go to the pub with John Ball next door, and I started to go, what are you stuttering about? I said, it's what's in this bloody hell, for Christ's sake, they're giving me. <laughs> but uh, it came back, and I've never had it since. And the, but this therapist who come to me, she said, eh, she's awful good. She said, um, the only way we think this has happened to you is when you went out that Christmas and you walked amongst all that debris and you seen it all, and plus the fact you'd already been bombed out of two houses, it, she said, and there's a lot of kids, uh, 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 it's altered them, it's frightened them. And she said, this is what's happened to you. Well, it's um, it's post traumatic post traumatic stress, isn't yeah. it? Something like that. He said, with the, with your voice, it's not an operation. They can't cut you open and put it right. No. They can't do anything to your tongue. Well, no, because it's connected to your brain, isn't it? Yeah. And he said, um, when you go home overnight, they give me sheets of paper, read this and read it. Now then, when I went home overnight, and he said, look in the mirror and read it and read it. It was easy, but you're not saying words when you're reading, are you? No, you just... And yeah. then when you're on your own, you don't stutter as much. 
But she said, what's happened to you when you get amongst people? Your nerves go up yeah. and that happens. Yeah. So that is the story at the end of that time. Is there anything else you want to add to the episode? The episode is we lived <clears throat> we lived in, in my nan's house till I was 14. Um, when I was um, 11, my dad came home from India. We never we couldn't remember what he looked like. He came home and we were sitting in, in the parlour in my nan's house and this, this man come and a soldier with all his bags. And I said, Mum, I said, Mum, there's a soldier here. She come out and she's been mother screamed. She said, That's your father. Have you ever seen a film star called Spencer Tracy? Yeah. My dad was the image of him. <laughs> he came home, he was brown as anything. He had bags of sweets for us and everything, you know. And um he seen the way we were living, he said, Look, I'm gonna go to council. And he got us a flat down Edge Lane on the top. Um, that flat, years and years later, our oh, Gary got the one underneath. Two friends of mine had born the block of fat, so I got them there. And that flat was a very happy flat for us. Yeah. And my dad, he died at 49. He died with, he had all kinds of malaria, all from the jungles, you know. I got his medals anyway and everything. But he was a great dad. He was a good dad, you know. But he, he, had the, he had the main chair at the table and you didn't speak when you're having your meal. And if you didn't go to church, it was Sunday and you come in and say, I've been to church, you'd get an old dinner. That's it. Now, my dad was very religious and he worked in a church every Sunday collecting, you know. And then in the afternoon, he'd be playing cards with the priests. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> if you'd had your dinner with me, dad, he was a sergeant major. He was a great dad. He had your dinner and he go, well, I don't want that. He said, that's fine. And he said, Francis, that's my mother. Put it in the, put it in the fridge, you get us on a night. You're not wasting anything at all. And that's the way my dad was. And when your mates come, sit them in the other room, they're not disturbing the family having the dinner. Yeah. And the other thing he used to say to us, when we were going to dances, me and Billy and all that, if any girl knocks on this door and she's pregnant, you'd be getting married in the fortnight. Think about it. I said, what if you have an ugly one? He said, well, that dad lied to me. <laughs> I said, I believe there are a few ugly ones. <laughs> and coming on to the next stage, when we left there, at 14, when I was 15, um, no, when I was 12, still living there, me and Billy got a job each. Well, he, went, he went to Irwin's, the, uh, the shop, and I went to the Maypole. Now, these were like big shops. This was before any supermarkets, anything to all of them. <clears throat> I had a bike with a big apron on that went right down to my feet. I had to put it on, and Billy was in that one. Now, in Old Swan, there's a place called Broad Green. Off Broad Green, there's a, 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 a lot of these beautiful big houses, wealthy people, you know. So I go to uh, the Maypole at quarter past four. Every, every, yeah, every night nearly. And they have a basket, a bike with a basket in the front. And he'd got all the stuff ready, the manager, he was an he was he was horrible aim. Packets of bacon, uh, butter pass, you know, butter come out of a case, butter, sugar, tea, that. 
So, and he had like papers in the shop like that, like, would you wrap them in? Yeah. Right. So I get on my bike and I go to these big houses. But before I went, I'd stop in these entries and get a bit of butter out, a bit of ham, a bit of tea, a bit of sugar, and, t- and wrap it up and take it to my mum. So when I come in, uh, my mum said to Billy, do you know what he does, don't you? Because I said, well, he said, I said, well, I get ham every week with my dad. He loves ham over Monday, doesn't he? Said yes, so I got that. <clears throat> and Billy said, he's a robber him. So I told Billy, I said, you get a few quid. He started anyway. So <clears throat> and the story was getting getting stuff like that. And my dad's arm, this is later on this, when we were uh, <clears throat> Every Monday, my me, me dad got sandwiches for work where I'm on. I'm. And when he went to work, he had a fella called uh, Dixie or something. And he used to give him a sandwich. So me and Billy were out one night on the come back from the dance and we were starving. So Billy said, what can I have? I said, oh, I said and next day, oh, Billy's eating me dad's sandwiches for Monday morning, just on a Sunday. Oh, I said, he'll kill you. So I said, oh, I'm, I said, I was to get killed with you. So we ate his lunch, didn't we? <laughs> and we got some bread and put jam on it and wrapped it up. So he said, you go mad, you know. I said, well, you might forget it. So when we were at the table that night, he said, um, he have, Francis, he would have said, what, Harry? Do I ever keep you short of money? No, Harry. Do I take you to New Brighton once a week on a Sunday for the drink and in the week to take it out for the drink? Yep. You think I'm a good husband? Well, I've loved you since I was 17. She said, what are you asking all these questions for? He said, well, what the bleed Nell do I go to work with jam butties? <laughs> he said... You're the fella that asked me for a sandwich. He said, Daddy, we've got jam sandwiches here. He said, you joke. <laughs> he said, made a show me. So I believe he had nothing meant, hey, hey, sit down, you. And you, he said, that's it. You're not going out this house for a fortnight. And we used to go to dancing everywhere, me and Billy. And I said, well, look, we're starving. You know, my mum said, that's terrible what you don't. I said, well, can't you leave somebody out? He said, you're a bloody big team. It's not us, you know, going with beds and dancing all over the place and you're starving. Thanks for listening to this pilot episode of Tony. And I thought I'd share with you a song that both me and my dad really like. It is Charlie Boy by the Lumineers to play us out. Oh, and I don't know rights to this song. Take care. Charlie boy, don't go to war First born in 44 And Kennedy made him believe That we